Welcome back to Don't Call It A Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. I'm excited for this one today, Dan. We are returning. We are returning Finally. to the Red Rising series. Finally returning. Finally. It feels like it's been so long. A, a, tor- <laughs> a torturous couple of months between Red Rising and Golden Sun, but we are back. We are doing the first third of Golden Sun. Let's see, what was that? Up to chapter 15, I think. Yeah, so we stopped We stopped at the end of chapter 14, which if you also stopped at the end of four, chapter 14, you're insane, but, <laughs> but that's where we are. Right, if you stopped at the same spot that we did at the end of chapter 14, you are a mad lad because you don't have to, but we do. And and we'll get to the box at was, the end of this episode because that's at the end of of where we are. But we got to start at a very nice place to start the beginning. So well said, Luke. This starts out where Darrow is at the end of his academy tour. So we we've jumped ahead a considerable amount of time. We don't get to see the the kind of hijinks that happen during the academy which i'll say i appreciated for the most part because i I was like Mm -hmm. "Mm, it's gonna be kind of like the institute whatever Mm -hmm. but this last this last kind of thing that happens did it catch you off guard a little bit which component of it the the component i'm talking about is how darrow had the plan that kind of won so to speak but then the buddy came in at the last minute and like snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, so to speak. And yeah, uh, yes, it did surprise me. It surprised me. me a lot because like that's a Darrow move. I feel <laughs> like that's very much a Darrow move, or at least he would know it was coming. Like it felt to me at the end of the Institute, Darrow was like 10 steps ahead of literally everybody involved. And here he's like yeah. completely on his back foot. And he just like he loses to like a ramming attack. It felt it felt <laughs> the so classic ramming attack. It felt so not Darrow. Do you know what I mean? Okay, yes, because Darrow we've seen so far is like kind of prepared for everything. Mm-hmm. And especially in so you know we've only read Red Rising. But especially in the like second half or kind of near the end of Red Rising, it was just everything was coming up Darrow. Right. And it seemed like it was going to continue that way until this. And yes, I was surprised by it, but I think it makes sense because it would have been like, it would have been too much good things going on for Darrow, I think. Yeah, well, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit later. At least I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But it it feels like Darrow kind of lost his mojo a little bit at the beginning of this book. Mm-hmm. And then he picks it up. He mm-hmm. finds his mojo here near the end of this section. So we're going to talk about that a considerable amount more at the end of the episode. But until that, I also just had a question about how this academy works. So they're fighting with like ships and trying to destroy each other's ships and then when they do that they win and mm-hmm. it sounds like darrow's enemy i think it's uh what's his name he's one of the the bologna kids yes the darrow's enemy the like best bologna kid gets a sneak attack on his capital ship 
and blows it up and they call it. They're like, okay, yep, that's it. Bologna wins. But Darrow, it sounds like, had way more ships than him. So is that just it? Like, is that it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay, okay. So let me try to remember this scene. Mm-hmm. Darrow's going in with his bunch of ships and some of them are getting taken out by this trap that Darrow sees coming. Mm-hmm. But Darrow ends up winning the day because he has more ships and is able to like, he can take a five to one loss because there's only one other ship. Right. And he, he gets a flanking maneuver as well. A key flanking maneuver. Right. right. I got the sense that there were more ships like on Darrow's end, but I think it was more like Darrow and the leaders were pretty much out of the game. But they weren't, is the thing, right? <laughs> like, Daryl was about to blast I off mean, into their ship and try and just murder everybody. Right, right. So, I think the, like, everyone else was maybe in that same position where they were just on escape pods. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it was like the people in charge were like, no, I don't want to just, like, throw you guys' lives away. Because you would have no chance. So I think it was kind of like a... I think it was a a, a difficult call by the ref. Mm. To, to It was like a technical knockout, you know? Okay. I'm not a yeah. boxing guy, but it wasn't a knockout. It was a technical knockout. Like he's trying to get back up, but the ref's like, no, you can't. You can't do this. It's like this. you already have three concussions. You're done. That's fair. Alternatively, the... It's a similar situation to the Institute, only Darrow isn't in command of everything in this instance. So alternatively, the proctors at the Academy have let Bologna win because we we already know that it seems like there's a bit of a conspiracy already trying to support Bologna. And so maybe, Mm. maybe this is like another instance where they've tried to tip it in their favor. Mm-hmm. and it's just the fact that could be the fact that darrow isn't 10 steps ahead of the proctors in this case is what causes him to be kind of on his back foot here because like maybe the whole society is kind of out to get him you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah because because it seems like the leaders of the society are trying to push the balonas in front right right i the other thing that i'll say about this is they're they're using like simulated bombs right so they're not actual bombs but then the final move is like a real ramming attack that kills like almost a thousand people so it's not a simulation at all (laughs) no i think it's insane that they aren't doing this whole thing in vr right (laughs) <laughs> you know that the VR technology yeah. exists for them to create a fake space battle. You know there's some Ender's Game BS that they could pull out where they just put everybody into pods. And you even, I mean, you even have a crew of blues that are helping you out. You have like everything that would be in a real ship there. You just are like, hey, you've already demonstrated you're extremely valuable to us. So we're not going to put you out in space and let you ram ships into each other. There will still be a winner for sure, but like you, right. we're, we're not going to waste those resources right now. 
Right. I guess here's the here's the question that we had during Red Rising is that how representative of this or how representative of previous years is this year, right? Mm-hmm. Because I assume in general the only way that you're doing this is to like blow up another ship with your missiles and those are simulated. Mhm. But how many how many times is a full on like ramming attack happening? Although now that I think about it, there are like raiding ships. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Like boarding missions. And I I assume people are dying during those. They've gotta be. So then why are they holding off on the nukes, right? <laughs> I guess there's just like there's they're trying to they're trying to draw a line somewhere they're like okay x amount of people can die but not everybody can die i think they darrow also mentions that they don't have real nukes because the ships are too valuable and so that's why typically Mm -hmm. in these Mm -hmm. battles they are just sending the boarding parties because the ships are so valuable that they want to try and take them over rather than blow them out of the sky entirely but you can still do it like a hit and run that's still cool. <laughs> I guess it's just like, this is the gold's, like, this is their whole philosophy. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it doesn't count if a lot of people don't die. <laughs> right. And I'll say this, Luke, it probably made, it probably made for some excellent TV on the Darrow show. Mm-hmm. Because. Mm-hmm. I would have to think so. Luke, we find out in this book. A bunch of people have been watching the Darrow show. And this ties into something we talked about when we were talking about Red Rising, how it was all just a big reality show. (laughs) It kind of is, isn't it? Like Darrow... Uh, On a certain level. Darrow is in danger of getting voted off the island. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so it's, it's kind of a mix because... The stuff that happens actually does matter and is real, right? But there's a certain level of, like, politics and rumors and that kind of thing that actually does play into it. Right. Right. But all of that adds up to some pretty compelling television, if you ask me. Oh, I would agree. Yeah, there's got to be tons of... uh, of people high up watching this that are like team Bologna team Darrow or like maybe they're, maybe they're going for a dark horse coming out of nowhere. Nobody, nobody is going with the, the thorn family. Nobody's like, Oh yeah, this family that's into flowers, they're going to sweep. No, I don't know. Your, I mean, your friend who says they're into the Thorn family, you just like the conversation ends there. You're like, okay, your opinion is wrong. We need to talk about something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Can we can we talk about just the fact that we've got some some friends from the institute here? First, we first we see Tactus and Roke there, two people that could not be more different. And and then I love hearing very early on in this book, even though he's not there, some longing for Severo, our boy Severo. Mm-hmm. Severo's out on Pluto, love. just hanging out. 
and he's sending he's sending like snapchats of him reading puns just the worst right <laughs> just yeah he's <laughs> oof. i loved it i loved getting getting a a very early look at Severo, what he's got going on. Well, and I and, imagine and that we're pining after Severo. I imagine Darrow feels kind of bad because these Snapchats are for sure terrible. But also, you're kind of like the only link your friend has to like you're like your your buddy's only friend, kind of right. Like right. Severo doesn't have a lot of buddies except for his Howler crew, and so these Snapchats he's sending you like. You have to reply. You can't just be like, oh, I'll deal with that later. You have to be like, haha, good one, bud. How's Pluto? Mm, cold? Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about you. But Se- but Severo doesn't respond. Like, Severo is just sending these. So it's tough. You, it seems like you can't strike up a conversation because he's just sending memes. Right. Well, this is how he. I don't know. It's a t- It's tough. It is tough. This is how he. I think Severo opens up, though. You know, you get a meme from him. That's true. And you're like, oh man, Severo. Severo's going through some stuff. <laughs> this unicorn is looking rougher than last week's unicorn. But okay, why is it fair that Severo gets sent to Pluto? Though I feel like that's so unfair. You mean because because he was uh, dubbed MVP by our podcast? That's a huge component of it. But Severo's also a peerless scarred, right? Mm-hmm. Severo won. Severo was a part of the winning team and an essential member of the winning team. And this society, those people are like put in high up positions, right? It's said that if you lose, you get sent to Pluto or some other I think not th- as good place. Yeah, I think this might be... Like how we were mentioning earlier, there's a component of like politics and uh, aesthetics that plays into things mm-hmm. where Severo might be very popular for us and probably readers of the book, but is probably not popular for the consumers of the reality show in the actual universe. So they're like, let's get this little guy out of the cameras. He keeps reading terrible puns i'm sick of it and so they send him off we're losing sponsors left and right we can't have this guy around anymore that's my read on it i think this actually comes back to again i'm going to do a callback to our red rising episodes and jackal explicitly mentions it here which i loved but like people have to hire you after this whole ordeal is over And yeah, I feel like you're kind of right. There's a lot of politics here. And sure, Jackal is like one of the most competent people in the Institute, but nobody wants to hire him, right? They saw saw him eat people and they were like, no, we're not going to give you a job. And Jackal is explicitly like, yeah, nobody wants to give me a job because they saw me eat people. And it's the same, I think it's the (laughs) same thing with Severo, where Severo is incredibly competent, super hard worker willing to put his life on the line for the team and everyone's like yeah but you slept in mud and shit for six months i saw you inside a horse for hours that's yeah 
We've got a spot open on. I think Pluto that that's a good point. <laughs> if you'd like that, and I love that the 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 jackal thing is something that we talked about. That we were we were trying to figure out which way it was going to go. Whether it was going to be like, oh yeah, totally normal. You just ate some people. We all did, or the way that it actually went, where it's like, dude, you ate people. And I love that Jackal is there like, yeah, I ate people, but I mean, that's what, like, what was I supposed to do? I was trying to win. Which I honestly sympathize with Jackal a good amount in this. Because (laughs) what was their opening salvo in this institute? Their opener was murder a kid with your bare hands. Now you get what we're asking you to do. Go win this game. It's like, okay, there are literally no rules and I should just do whatever I can to win. Great. I understand how this works. And then they come at him with a, hey, you ate people, so we're not going to hire you. After he gets out, (laughs) I'd be pissed too. We've all done it. (laughs) I know. I know. It's wild. I'm guessing you might be here too. I was very Team Jackal in in this section. I am also Team Jackal right now because I think for a similar reason, it's for a similar reason that we like Darrow because Jackal is making the best of a bad situation and he's going to rise even with these like setbacks. Like he's still going to make it. Granted, I don't think I really want him to make it, but it's that plucky (laughs) attitude that we like. And he's just, he's too interesting of a character. Right. You know? Right. He's just like, he's an absolute sociopath and has got plans going on that we don't know what they are. It's too interesting not to be into. It's so good. I was actually a little upset at Darrow when he's calling out Jackal for being a sociopath because Darrow's like, dude, I'm not going to work with you. You're a sociopath. And it's like, Darrow, first of all, literally everybody around you is basically this. It's just Jackal is upfront about it. Jackal is like, yeah, I'm pretty much a sociopath. So two, you know exactly what he's going to do. Like you can trust him perfectly to be a sociopath. Like, you know what his deal is. This is a great ally. You want to be this guy's ally because you know exactly how far he's going to take you before he drops you. Right, and you know he he's very much if you this is a, a Game of Thrones reference. He's little very finger, much we're going little finger. Little finger yes, character. I have that exact yeah. thing written down. Yeah, which it's like it's too it's very interesting, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I was I was into the the little jackal meeting. I thought Dara was playing it all wrong, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see. I I want to I want to come back a little bit. Okay. Well, actually, okay, okay. Let me first talk about the scene where Darrow gets beaten up by like seven people. We for sure need to talk about and that. It's, and it's like he gets embarrassed. He gets peed on a little bit. Uh, it's all on camera so everyone sees what happens. And so like it kind of kills his his vibe, we'll say. Yeah, his clout, his clout takes I, a hit here. Yeah, I get it. But, like, it was seven on one. Okay. (laughs) I have this exact same note written down. How is this a, like, big hit against his reputation? 
This is seven people beating up one guy and then peeing on him. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that guy's a weakling, dude. He couldn't take on seven people while he was <laughs> naked. What a loser. Like, that should totally look bad on the other people. That's exactly what I think. Like, how is this being spun? How are you spinning this to be like, oh, yeah, Darrow, total loser. Got beat up by seven people once and then peed on. Ugh. Would never want to support that guy. Also, like, he, he kind of did well in this fight. He took out, like, three of them. <laughs> And then they they all like ganged up and beat him. Oh, it was so insane. Here's the yeah. other thing about it though, Luke. The other thing about it is we find out later in this book, Darrow's been training with the Rage Knight. So we find out later, Darrow is an incredible fighter, like way above mm-hmm. everybody, which means... Darrow might have lost this intentionally. Have you thought about that? Yes. I I don't think so, though. Just because, like, seven on one is a little bit too much. I get that, but he, he takes on Cassius, who is the mm-hmm. best duelist in the world, essentially. Like, Cassius is wrecking every single person he fights in a duel and the only thing that darrow has to do to beat him is be like hey i trained with the rage knight boom and then he crushes him he just demolishes him in front of everybody right and so i feel like seven on one yeah it would be a not a great fight but i feel like darrow could do way better than he did when he lost let's just go there potentially Okay, okay. I don't think that he could have won. Were it if it were to be like a two on one fight and Darrow would have lost, I would have thought that maybe he lost on purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he lost on purpose, but I could see that I think where you're going with this, which is that he didn't do as well as he sh- could have. Right. I I think that's exactly like it. he was like I'm gonna get he was like I'm gonna get crushed regardless, so I'm not gonna show how good I actually am fighting. Yeah, he's like keeping an ace in the hole, right? Like the moment when he reveals he's been training with the Rage Knight, that's that's him flipping over two aces and being like, "All right, you're all in. Come on." Right, right. Also, how how good of a trader is the Rage Knight? Because incredible. It's like four months that he works with him, and and Darrow's like a master. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's there's two components of this, which is that the Rage Knight must be a very good trainer, and also that Darrow is much. Is just like naturally super good at things. Right. We have a few occasions where we see Darrow's past is helping him a lot here. Like when he's being trained how to dance uh, for the golds and he's really good at it and picks up really quick. And he mentions when he's, you know, doing the, I think it's called the weeping willow fighting technique. Sure. Something like that. The fighting technique that the Rage Knight gives him, he talks about how it's like a dance almost. And he like knows this dance. And so I feel like that history is Darrow's advantage here in like getting him up to up to fighting power. Mm-hmm. Also great hands. Super good hands. Yeah. Let me tell you, Darrow's hands, incredible. Top, tops, top three hands on Mars. Um, okay. I want to do 
this is going to be a a qualm that I have with the story mm. that's going to kind of transition to a unformed theory. Ooh, okay, yeah. And that qualm is that like so we're we're still this mad at Darrow for killing Cassius's brother? Really? <laughs> we're this mad at him? It was you knew the the situation. Like okay, okay. Bologna family, I'm talking to you. Bologna uh uh Cassius's mom who's like for the last 2 years hasn't been eating because she's so mad that they haven't gotten vengeance against Darrow. Um, you sent Julian, your son, to the Institute in which you are aware that half of the people die day one and that Julian did not do well on his tests. Like, this is your fault. <laughs> How are you this? Also, also... Your son killed the arch governor's son, and no one seems to be having any issues with it. Right. And think about where are Priam's family, right? Priam's family being like, hey, Severo, how come you murdered our son? No, they don't care. They were like, yeah, that's the risk that you take. Okay. It's like, do you remember a year ago when all those celebrities got in trouble for bribing college officials to get their kids into, into good colleges? Mm-hmm. It's like if you did that. And then we're pissed at the professors that failed your kids and that made them leave. Like, you signed them up for this. You knew what was going to happen. <laughs> this is your fault. This is absurd. It's, it's absolutely absurd. It's, it's too ridiculous of a, a plot line. Like, you guys can't be this mad at you him. You can't go on a hunger strike. Because somebody played by the rules and you didn't like it. That's not fair. It's like, it's like it was either him. It was one or the other. One of them was going to die. I don't know why it's so hard for them to understand this. Like it is, it seems difficult for them to even understand why Darrow would have done this. Like he is, what, what are you talking about? Right, right, right. Okay. And this is where we're transitioning because it's too ridiculous of a plot line right okay. now here's now it's it's unformed but i'm skeptical okay mm-hmm. i'm skeptical of them being this this outraged at darrow and like holding on to it for this long i think there's got to be something else going on here because like you can't have this little self-awareness and be the like one of the top families okay I love this. And here's what I, here's, we're going to build this theory up a little bit, Luke. Okay. The brother's name was Julian, right? Yes. The Bologna family sent Julian to die. They sent him to die because they wanted to start a feud with the governor, the arch governor of Mars, Augustus. And they intentionally paired him with Darrow because Darrow had like the top score out of everybody at the Institute. He was probably going to do very well. And sure, it would seem like Julian should win this fight because he's been trained in this martial art and Darrow for sure hasn't. But 
they're constantly talking about how Julian is like so kind and nice and would never hurt a fly and had trouble like even I don't remember if it was Cassius or Julian who couldn't kill I think it was a fish but there's like they know he's the nicest out of all of them so he's for sure not gonna win this one-on-one death match with somebody definitely not definitely not so they sent him there with the intention of getting into it with whoever took his his killer on as their as their liege. Okay. I I I like where you're going. I think we can do it cuz this would take a ton of forward like planning and mm-hmm. that kind of thing for them. Yeah. I think that we don't have to go that far. Okay. I think we can say something like they you know, sent him to the Institute, like, kind of just like, yeah, he's probably going to, he's not going to make it. Um, and then after the fact, I think that Cassius's emotions were probably real. But I think that the family is playing this up a little bit now that they know that Darrow is with the Arch Governor to do what you said, which is create this feud. Yes. Because I think... I think that's the plan. I don't think they have to have started it before the Institute. I think they took advantage of Darrow being the one to kill him and also Darrow working with the Arch Governor. Okay. So, yes, I think I think that they're playing it up. You're, you're like the mom, the mom shows up to the table and they, they pull out a silver tray and it's empty and she's like, all right, bye, everybody. And then goes and has like like a Big Mac in her room. Has like a couple sandwiches. Right. It's also like it's been two years. I know you are not hunger striking for two years. <laughs> She's got like a wrap back in her. They're back playing in her up office. that rumor. Yeah. 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 So I, I think there's that going on. Okay. I like that a lot. I just am trying to figure out why the only problem with that, that my theory solves but doesn't do it in a very good way is why would they send Julian if they know he's like a freaking sweetheart and he wouldn't hurt a fly? I, here's the thing. I think they, they didn't care about Julian. Oh, interesting. They were just like, this will be like, if he wins, he'll give us honor. And if he loses, well, he wasn't supposed to, he was like supposed to get killed anyway. Like he wasn't hard enough. Right. Ooh. Well, I think it's like they're such a high-level family that kind of everyone has to go mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That works for me. I'm into it. Yes. And Cassius doesn't know, though. I think Cassius is just like the one who's actually pissed about it still. And it's like, Cassius, come on, dude. Like, get over it. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes sense a little bit because uh, the third brother, the the more crazy one, kind of lumps Cassius in the same category as Julian. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like he's very emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Freaking, freaking balonas, man. It's bananas, these balonas, man. Oh. Okay. Also, I, I just, we got to make a brief note here. Darrow is mortified that 300 people died because his ship got blew, blown up. Okay, a lot of people died in the Institute, buddy. The The Institute started with 50% of everyone being killed. And then, way more of them died. 
And sure, you might not have been in direct command of all of them, but like a lot of your buddies died too. Right. I think there's a, okay, so a couple things with this. One, I think there was like 800 people or 900 people that died on his ship. No, it was in the 300s because they said the number. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. Um, But the other thing with this is that there are a lot of, like he doesn't care about golds dying as much but a lot of like blues and lower colors died which i think is is part of it okay i um i can see that he's got kind of like a titus mentality where obviously not to the level of titus where he was going around just like torturing all the golds but he sees them as like deserving of death almost right because like he he was going to do this bombing that kills a bunch of golds and his his issue with it was not like a moral thing it was like now the mission's going to be over but he also gets mad at uh what's her name evie for doing another bombing that just kills a bunch of low colors so i think that there's like a difference there where he doesn't care if a bunch of golds die but he does if a bunch of lower colors do okay yeah yeah that's fair i can understand that like the lower colors are somewhat more innocent than the golds are yeah yes okay also why does anybody still care about opera luke this is so ridiculous to me where (laughs) they're on luna and they go down below the main skyscrapers past the top of the skyscrapers which are have like opera houses that people are going to who the fuck cares about opera? There's spaceships going around. <laughs> I Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I I assume that it's like still a little a pride thingy. Where they're like the top, the top cast. So they're like, we have to appreciate high culture. And like none of them actually do. But they're like, we got to pretend like we do. Right, it's just something that's incredibly expensive, so they're like, yes, we must love this thing. I just think it's bullshit. Nobody... And the fact that there's a bunch of opera houses is so insane to me. Like, there might be one for the weirdos out there, but they're not going to have a bunch of opera houses all over the place. Like, there's way better things you can spend your time doing. Right, like, you would think that they would they would have people making, like, really tasteful films cinema Mm. as they would call it (laughs) three movies 3d interactive cinema right you can feel when the titanic sinks spoilers i should say yeah seriously um yeah i think that's a i think that's a valid point the 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 gold culture is pretty intense and we've talked about it a little bit, how they're all sociopaths. But um, one example that really drives this home is Augustus's plan to send in like red suicide bombers. I've never heard anything as dark as this. Holy cow. Yeah, I also felt terrible just reading that. I, I When I was reading that, I was like, oh, Darrow, please kill this person right now. Darrow, just please murder this person. This is so bad. 
it felt terrible to read. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it yeah. definitely hit home. Darrow's mission is a good one. Like, this is so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and the, the thing about these kinds of scenes is it gives Darrow a perspective, right? And the, the fun thing about following around Darrow that I don't think that you get from a lot of other books for their main character is that he basically like always has the moral superiority, right? Because he obviously has the superiority over the golds, right? Where like, he, you know, he's gone through, he's a red, so he's gone through all of that and has a better perspective than them. But he also has the moral superiority over like Evie and Harmony, the the reds that are part of the Sons of Ares. Mm-hmm. Because like they're talking about how, I don't know, he doesn't have perspective, but like he totally does. So he's just, he's just like kind of always in the right you know? I think that's true, but I also think at a certain point, like moral superiority, and this is something Harmony said, moral superiority doesn't win a revolution. Like Darrow is mm-hmm. so upset that a bunch of people are dying and going to die when Harmony is talking to him. And I was just thinking, Darrow, how did you envision this revolution was going to happen where the Reds are no longer enslaved by golds? How did you think it was going right. to go? Like, that the golds are just going to one day say, oh, you know what, Darrow? You've made a compelling argument after infiltrating our ranks. We will let all of the reds go. No! Right, Darrow's going to write a very insightful op-ed that's going to convince everyone. Right, Octavia is going to read it and say, you know what? No more red slaves. Hmm. (laughs) All right, now for the crossword. $15 an hour. Yeah. That's fair. So, I, I mean, I do think, and this is the scene where, where I think Darrow gets his mojo back, where he finds that moral high ground. So Darrow realizes, oh, hold on, let's do a civil war. Perfect. Best of both worlds. And I think that's the moment where Darrow also gets his mojo back, because the rest of the book, or the yeah, the beginning of the book, it felt like Darrow was being pushed around by like a bunch of external forces and didn't really, he wasn't really going after something. And now Mm -hmm. that he's found that path to like achieve what he thinks. Oh, Ao. Oh, what's, what's his wife's name? Ao. We want, we want Eo last book. So let's switch it up and go. Ao. So in order to achieve this idea that Ao has kind of implanted in his head of this new society, he has this like civil war idea, which I think is definitely morally superior to either side's arguments, right? Like I think it's for sure morally superior to the golds. Yeah. But I think it's also morally superior to what it sounds like uh, the, I wanted to call them the sons of anarchy. The new sons of Ares. The new sons of Ares want to do. Ares. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's fair. And And I probably shouldn't say like moral superiority i'm thinking more like perspective he has better perspective than everybody yeah yeah i think that's because he's complete he's been he's been 100 on both sides of things um but you're right it's this this first section of the book i think darrow because he's 
he doesn't know the plan, so he has like no agency, basically. But at the end, when he decides to to spark a civil war, he takes that back. So that's that was the uh, the fun thing. Do you want to let's do you want to talk about that section? Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay. Um, well, first, let me just say, Roke is just an absolute delight. Yeah, yeah. Roke is a top contender for MVP of this book so far. So far, yes. Um, but okay. I'm going to jump to the scene where Darrow challenges Cassius. Okay. Yeah. And I don't have like specific notes about this, but we were just so hyped. Yeah. The boy's back. Like Darrow, (laughs) after he gets his mojo back and says, oh, we need to do a civil war. The boy is back. He's like jumping on tables And I was so hyped for what was about to happen. And then, you know, when he challenges Cassius, it's like, oh, I don't know if this is the best move. Because they set it (laughs) up. They set it up so early on to be like, yeah, Cassius is going to crush him if if they fight with swords. And then when he whips out the like, oh, yeah, I've been training with the Rage Knight. It's like, Darrow, you mad lad. (laughs) Another Darrow mad lad moment. Um, I... When he starts walking up here, he's like weirdly confident. And I'm like, this is cool and all, but I don't know how you're getting out of this. And I was like, I know there's several more books. <laughs> I don't I don't think Darrow's dying here. Um but the uh the and I, honestly at first when he brought out the the fact that he had been training I thought that he was bluffing. I thought so too. I thought he was trying to just do a bluff on Cassius and get him so scared that he could, you know, get him to surrender or whatever. Right. And yeah, for a while I thought he was bluffing until they like explicitly said, oh yeah, he had been training with the Rage Knight. Yeah. But it sounds like nobody Um, knew, right? Like even Augustus didn't know because he was like, man, I wish I could get you training with with the Rage Knight. Yeah. So like, Oh, what a what a ace up your sleeve, Darrow. <laughs> is he is he doing it via Zoom? <laughs> yeah, the Rage Knight is in sweatpants, just like, all right, punch that wall over there, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the Rage Knight has like a really expensive web series. Or not web series. Like a masterclass. Like... Yeah, yeah. He has Do a you want to learn class. how to dominate your enemies the... and see the blood? <laughs> pouring from their bleeding skulls take my master class he just has he just has very poor promotion so no one except darrow knows about it darrow's still got an active myspace page because that's the only thing they use in the mines (laughs) and that's exclusively what the rage knight posts on is myspace because he's super old that's gotta yeah that's gotta be it's like we haven't heard from him in 30 years it's like you just didn't know where to look. He's yeah, he's figuring out what song to put on his profile. Uh <laughs> Yeah, okay. but this fight, yeah. so this fight between Cassius and Darrow, incredible. The the moment where he mm-hmm. says uh you've you've only made me use 10% of my power is so righteous <laughs> because it's just like the fight completely flips. Um 
but I was also getting a ton of, so they do a lot of like Greek illusions here. Cause this society is like super like retro futurist. Like they're obsessed with Greek and Roman mythology. And I was getting such like Achilles versus Paris vibes from either whether or not you've seen the movie Troy or whether or not you've read uh, the Iliad. But it was just like Cassius is this Paris figure who's like stolen Mustang, who's like a valuable woman and is part of a noble family. And you have Achilles who's been like trained by a god, essentially, and just tears him apart entirely. And it was just so satisfying to watch Cassius crumble as this like Paris figure and like limp away and try and try and surrender. Yeah. Oof. It was uh it was great. And Darrow just played it so well. Like his his trash talk, just on point. Perfect, yeah. His his move of jumping up on the table. And the like um spilling the wine in Cassius's lap as his last move is like a fight me, coward. Ooh. You gotta know that's coming, right? Yeah. If you're Cassius, you scoot back a little from the table, right? <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> He's got his foot on the decanter, like, duh. Or you you get a little napkin. Yeah, action. this is clearly you get coming. a little napkin underneath of the table, and then you kind of just like angle it off so it doesn't go in your lap. Easy, easy. Everyone was everyone saw this coming. Um, that's day one. Yeah, for sure. The Okay, the, the aftermath, where it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, the, <laughs> were you as surprised as I were, or as I was, that they just, like, all kill each other? That they've been waiting for this opportunity for their whole lives to just murder everyone? Right. I didn't expect so many high-level deaths to happen here. I actually wasn't that surprised, because like uh-huh. most of these people went through the institute, there have got to be some grudges there that have held over, right? I feel like there's right. a ton of grudges. Like this thing is so fragile that there's a reason in their constitution they say that a duel must be honored no matter the conditions. Like that's in their constitution for how the government works is that if two people want to fight, you have to let them and you have to let them fight however they want. Otherwise, you're breaking the law. Because if they don't have that, things descend into just everybody murdering everybody all the time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like opportunists, right? Like there's a lot of people who see this as their opportunity to get a bigger piece of the pie because they can kill off a rival. Right. And there's that moment where Darrow mentions that just like, him showing that the rules don't actually are like invisible just makes everyone go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when the, you're talking about when uh-huh. uh, Octavia says you can't kill him because my word is the law. And then Darrow's like, no, I'm going to try and kill him. Yeah. Well that moment. And then the fact that like this is already happening just makes people, like you said, act on their grudges and just like go murder families it's like oh this was all just about to happen 
like given one spark. Right. We were, you guys realize you guys are crazy. They went from cocktail party where there's like a nice speech happening and like hors d'oeuvres being served to full on purge in less than two hours. Right. I, (laughs) this was like when they go up into this and they all have their razors and I think that it's because of like, it's stylish to have those and that kind of thing. But uh, no, that's legitimately for personal protection. <laughs> you could just get attacked. Literally torn apart at this cocktail party. Yeah. It adds a lot of stakes. Adds a lot of Intense. stakes. Adds a lot of stakes. Um, okay, the next scene that I want to talk about is with, with Fitchner's entry. We love Fitchner so much, dude. I was so hyped when we got Fitchner back. Very hyped to get Fitchner back. Um, very hyped that Fitchner has has gotten like a high level appointment that he apparently deserves. Incredibly high level, it sounds like. Yeah, he's one of the Olympic knights, one of twelve. Um, weirdly high level, huge, huge promotion for him. And he really attended with this promotion, attended a class on how to make an entry because this entry was incredible. He's at the head of like a hundred or I think it's 99 obsidians. They all drop and then he drops last in front of them, leading them. And then the kicker is he's got a cape on blowing in the wind did you plan that fitchner no he's got he's got another group of obsidians off in the trees with a gigantic fan (laughs) right because you okay okay i have a a take that this is such an obscure topic that i don't know if it's hot or not so you tell me okay and that's that wearing a cape on a on a day that is not windy is the equivalent of wearing sunglasses in the dark. Hmm. Well, okay, what if you can run really fast? Mm. You okay. make your own wind. What if you can run really fast? That's true. But if you're just if you're if you're at a moment when you're standing still, I think I think I think the power of the cape comes in when you're standing still. I don't think when you're running with a cape it looks cool. No. I think that you're requiring you're co- requiring external wind to pull off a cape or you're just an asshole. I think this is true, but I think you have to be very aware of what the weather is going to be like and and which direction you're going to be moving when you've got a cape. Because if you're mm-hmm. going if you're going face into the wind with a cape or if the wind's like going crosswise, you're in a pretty good situation. If the wind's at your back, mm-hmm. That cape is going all over the place. Like it's getting up in your grill. It's like flopping around your front and you're just constantly like putting it back behind you. That's not a good look. It's a risk. It's a big risk to have a cape on in the wind. Pulling, yeah, pulling off a cape requires a lot of planning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which you got to be facing the right way. All of it. It sounds like Fitchner has done that. So props to him. It also sounds like Fitchner has learned literally nothing from Darrow because 
Darrow's lesson to Fitchner was essentially like, it doesn't matter where I was born, I'm still going to succeed and rise really high. And Fitchner was like, no, my son Severo can't because he was born really low. And I can't because I was born pretty low. So we're going to be stuck here. Now he's a freaking Olympic knight because of Darrow. Darrow's rising beyond his wildest dreams. Severo, well, still not doing great, but maybe someday. We don't know. We don't know what Severo's doing. We don't know if he's the king of Pluto. So maybe he's doing awesome. (laughs) He could be bringing in a lot of money as an influencer now. Right. He's like, check out this snowman. But like, he's still trying to tell Darrow like, oh, no, you should listen to me, bud. I know what I'm talking about. Fitchner, you wicked don't. Stop. (laughs) You owe Darrow so much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that Fitchner, like, like Tactus, for example, really looks up to Darrow and like idolizes him, but is trying to hide it? Do you think Fitchner is kind of the same? No, I think Fitchner is is like a professor that really admires a student. Like it's a professor that thinks a student is really good at whatever they were trying to teach them, but still thinks that they know best. Like is like, yeah, okay, maybe mm-hmm. in this case you were able to pull it off, but like next time that's not going to work out. So you should you should really listen to me, bud. I think he's too old. Okay. He's kind of yeah, set in his that. ways. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we do love having Fitchner back. Um, I love this scene where Darrow is kind of cocky and is is like trying to stand up to uh, one of the Furies. I forget her name. And Fitchner is like, hey, uh, you might not want to. I know that you're probably really good now, but she's going to murder you. Loved it. Love to get some little perspective there mm-hmm. that... Like, Cassius might be the best dueler and that you just beat him, but Cassius isn't the best fighter. Right. Right. But then, if I'm Fitchner, like, I've got to know that doesn't really convince Darrow. Because for the whole last book, I was telling Darrow, don't do any of these things. They're going to end up super bad for you. And then, lo and behold, they ended up super good for him. And it was a good thing he did all those things. So, like... If I'm Darrow, Fitchner, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, that's valid. Like, you sound like you know what you're talking about, Fitchner. I'll give you that. But you for sure don't. I think I could take her. Also, also, like, what do you mean? These fights are to the death. There are no rules, are there? Well, it's Luke. not like fencing where it's like, okay, that was one touch. Everyone's set back to their corners. Luke, maybe maybe she's got a gun. I don't know. Maybe she's got a hidden gun. <laughs> or, alternative That's theory, very fair. maybe she's got a venom stinger. Which, hold on, Luke. Guess what we see in this book when we meet back up with our good pal Mickey. He's giving everybody freaking venom stingers left and right. Here, have a rocket launcher in your arm. Here, you get like a spring-powered foot or something. <laughs> okay, yes. You you are vindicated. Dan, Dan one, everyone else zero. <laughs> like, give Daryl a venom sack, please. 
<laughs> We're going sack now. Okay. For for listeners that might be confused, Dan is referencing his desire to to get unconventional upgrades. For example, a Venom Stinger that would have been really handy for Darrow. Um, I agree. I think... Ooh. Think about the Venom Stinger during this 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 seven on one fight too. Would it turn the tide? You stab it would it turn the tide. You spit acid in the eyes of one person. Those other six are gonna take two steps back. Okay? Like fight over. <laughs> right. Totally. Nobody's gonna fuck with you if you're spitting acid from your glands. No, that's a tough, a tough thing to, to overcome. Um yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm on your side now. I mean, Mickey, Give Darrow a venom stinger. Mickey's still around. We've got time. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> waiting to see the venom stinger on Darrow. Still waiting. The last thing I want to bring up, Luke, when, when we're introduced to this party, Darrow's trying to find his table. And he's like, oh, there's no name cards here. Because there's just a giant lion sitting on our table. So this is the moment when all the houses who chose, like, trout as their sigil are really regretting it, right? Maybe. This is the moment when House Tully is like, ooh, ours has the trout flopping Um, around on the table. Not a great look. Also, That's fair, but I feel like if you're choosing, if you're choosing, like, trout as your sigil you're you know you're anticipating this right where you're like sure i'm gonna take a hit on these kind of things but uh but trout's uh, delicious insert benefit here but trout's delicious <laughs> and i'd love for that to be the main course right yeah all right fair enough maybe that's a power play i i just have to think that if you're choosing trout as your sigil you know the drawbacks Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I think it might be a power move, actually. <laughs> You're saying this is an equivalent of sharing an elevator with someone? This is a, this is a, yeah, we don't need a lion to represent our house because we're badass enough. Thank you. Right. You're like looking forward to when you overtake the lion and then you're like, that's right, bitch. Uh, uh, I see I haven't Get come got up. by I the see, fighting trout. Remember, because remember that? I assume that they've spent all this time coming up with this great trash talk. Remember that famous parable of the trout that defeats the lion? You don't, because that's how wicked crazy this is right now. That's how dope we are. Nobody's ever considered a trout beating a lion before, but we did it. Exactly. Now we're on top. Total power move. Don't underestimate the trout families key message i'm into it yeah okay that's my last note do you have any more oh i lied actually i said that was my last note luke what's in this fucking box oh yeah okay as we mentioned we stopped at a tough spot before we speculate sovereign before we speculate sovereign has made a deal with darrow about because she's trying to figure out how to get this whole thing worked out and has told him 
they're going to play a game. And if she wins, he does what she wants. And if he wins, she'll do what he wants. Before we get to this game that they're going to play in this box that they have no idea what's in it. If you're Dara, why are you ever taking this deal? Yeah. This is not the deal. Because I, I also, I don't even know what Dara wants from her. Right. Right. And like, sure, maybe Darrow's like, I'd like you to free all the reds. Boom. You have to do it now. Problem solved. Books are over. <laughs> but like, he doesn't know what's in this box. And if he loses this game of sorry that he's about to play with Octavia, then she's going to be like, okay, I would like you to jump off a cliff, you big fat dumb idiot. <laughs> Yeah, I okay, so I agree with you here cuz for one thing, like she has something specific in mind that she knows you're not going to agree to beforehand. Right. Whereas you don't have that in mind. But here's something that you're forgetting, Dan. You're forgetting the hands. <laughs> you know that any game coming out of a box requires hand speed. <laughs> Dara's winning for sure. So you're saying she's going to open the box and it's actually empty and she puts her hands out, palms down, and is like, okay, now you put your hands out, palms up under my <laughs> hands and try and slap the top of my top of my hands. And I'm going to try and pull them away it's, before it's you can I, do it. <laughs> right. It's either that game or Slapjack. <laughs> yeah, but Luke, what if she's pulling out like like a 1980s version of Trivial Pursuit? Where, like, it's all pop culture references that you definitely don't know, but she's been around for, like, 80 years. So she crushes him at it instantly. Right. She, this, is the, this, this is the moment that we have to wonder which route she's going. Is she going the fair route? Or is she, like I would suspect, going for something that completely advantages her? Yeah. She's for sure doing that. And if you're Darrow, you're like, uh, no, yeah. thank you. I don't know who it's, starred on yeah. the TV show Cheers or when it aired. I don't know any of that information. Yeah, it's totally a trivia game about a show that she just binged for the last like week, for sure. No, it's a show she grew up with. It's like uh, the name four members of the Brady Bunch. And Darrow's like, D what is the Brady Bunch? And Octavia's like, how old do you think she is? <laughs> She's super old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Um, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's got to be some game that advantages her completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or a hand speed game. They're always hand speed games, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's definitely... This old lady is definitely going to pull out a hand speed game against... You know what it is? I've, I know what it is. Okay. It's 100% a bop it. That's final answer. Very confident. There's a bop it in this box, and Darrow's going to crush it. <laughs> and it's, it's ancient technology, so she assumes no one's ever seen anything like this before, and she's been practicing for her whole life on how to do the bop it. Yeah, yeah. She gets to like 12 in a row and is incredibly proud of herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. Boppets for sure in the box. 
I'm so glad we've already resolved that mystery, but I mean, we might as well read the next third to have it confirmed and, and see Darrow crush this this boppet with his incredible right. hands. Incredible um, hands. Before before we sign off, let's say uh like one of our previous series, we are looking for any uh listener interaction. So um, I think we're going to be making some posts on maybe the Red Rising subreddit, probably, definitely our subreddit. Uh, get at us if you have any things that we missed, topics you want us to cover for the next episode, things like that. You can also tweet at us at dcitabc uh, or email us at dcbc at don't call it a book club dot com. Um, we'll 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 bring up your comments on the show. Yeah, we're excited to hear from y'all. Uh, and I'm sure, Luke, our listeners are going to give us just a, a mountain of hot takes to sift through. Because we've got all the time to act like dumb nerds. Yeah.